sounds like I've been smoking and I have not been smoking. Oh my god! It's uh, literally uh, I've been doing this CrossFit thing in Lockwood, and it is when I work out, it is insane. And afterwards, when I come, like when I get home and I eat um, dinner, I go to bed and I just sit there and breathe, and it sounds like I've been either smoking a carton of cigarettes a day for like five years. Or climbing a flight of stairs. <laughs> well, I no, it's not. <laughs> it's not. Kidding. It's not like that fat, heavy, labored breathing. It's like oh. I just got over like a chest cold, and it's like, you know what I mean? Like you feel like you can hack something up, and nothing comes up. That's what I've been like lately. So I'm trying to work on the heavy breathing when I talk. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's still gonna happen. I mean, uh, you guys can't see this, but he says, I'm working on the heavy breathing while I talk, turns his head away from the microphone, <laughs> breathes heavy. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I'm tired of uh, editing that out uh, every single podcast. Like we do one a month now, it seems. And as we're waiting for the stream camera to come in and uh, I just find it funny that um, no matter how much I work on it. I have to turn my head away from he's, the he's, he's still he's still turning his head away from the microphone. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. Um but uh the thing that really sucks most about the well, it's not it doesn't that it's not that it sucks, but like learn re educating yourself on how to eat. I think that has been uh I watched a really cool video um about three months ago before I started this little journey. It's not a New Year's resolution, by the way. Hmm. Anyway, um, and the video is like, new you. yeah, well, it's that dude who's like, get your sups. And he like curses, like quit being a pussy. And he like yells at you. Is that like, David Goggins? Is that him? The, Steal supplements. And he's I like, don't know. He's a bald guy. The huge beard and always wears the bandana. Oh, and the sun. No, oh. no, no. Anyway, uh, he's like, you got to reeducate yourself, learn how to hate food. You need to eat food because you have to, but you can't do it because you love it. And, oh, are you talking about the guy that's like super jacked? Yeah. And he always and like it, yells at, the, at you at the camera. Like, yeah. You a, yeah. That, that. So I was watching one of his videos. And I thought it was just going to be funny, but I actually took something from it. I was like, I got to learn to stop loving food and start hating it. And that way, uh, because I'm not going to be an eating disorder, but I also need to understand that if I think of food like fuel rather than fun and entertainment, it'll be easier to eat right. And it's true. Like I don't like today I had, you know, two of those small cinnamon rolls and that was hard. You they know, were small, but they like were good. I, I, I can't even like make fun of them about it. They they were small cinnamon rolls, but, yeah. but the wife made it, and uh, my wife delicious. Can, yeah, dude, she can cook, she can um, bake. So anyway, we're sitting there and um, uh, ate two of those and a little bowl of chili, and then we have like these chicken sausages that I ate. But like outside of that, I, I, I like throughout the day I work from home now, and uh, like throughout the day when I go get something to eat for lunch, I. Uh, I view it like I don't need to eat. I hate eating. I, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then I sit down with my huge ass salad and my like boiled chicken and well, crock pot chicken. And uh, it actually, it's worked. It's like I have a different, and then I save, and it's, I don't have like a designated cheat day, I guess, but I do, um, like whenever I do feel like cheating, I make sure that I don't do it again for at least a week after that. And that's really the only way I measure it. But on the day that I feel like cheating, it's like, then I go back and fall in love with food again. Like it's like pizza and, 
and it's not a lot in one sitting. It's like maybe two or three pieces of pizza. So then you almost dread cheat days, don't you? So I do. Like, oh, man, because I don't want to make that mistake. You know, one of these days, and I was waiting for it. I thought it might have been this very moment. Uh, one of these days, I'm just waiting for you to apologize for all of the wisecracks and jokes that you made about me, inserting grapes anally and sniffing a cheeseburger and, and uh, you know, just to make it through so that that way, you know, like I wouldn't cheat on diets, you know, previous diets that I had. Uh, when I had lost weight, but it hasn't happened yet. That's okay. Uh, I'm just going to like float that out there and extend that to you that if you ever just want to be like, you know what, Ben, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. Please oh. forgive me because you know what? There was some there was some truth uh, to what you did. Uh, and I'm not talking about grapes anally. I never did that. Bananas maybe, but not grapes. <laughs> Cucumbers. And <laughs> Cucumbers spaghetti and, swash and, and zucchini. <laughs> basically anything and anything long and tubular oh yes. my god well <laughs> no i'm never going to apologize for that and the reason why is because um my dog is tipping tapping in the background um but the reason why is because i'm eating the right way you oh, during those here days we here would, we go he would send pictures of like ben or ben would send pictures of him eating like he'd show us his lunch for the day and it was a banana and two apples and then I'd say two oranges or two oranges. Yeah. He'd make it look like a cock and balls and, uh, and, uh, you know, like, ha this is what I ate for lunch. And so then me and Terry would say, is that what, what else have you had? And he goes, that's it, man. I gotta, you know, I gotta lose this weight. So the joke really came from a position of Ben not eating enough and like, I'll do anything to be 200 pounds. And then, then he would have like one IPA and be blacked out running through town. Like, <laughs> Hey everybody, we're going streaking. Yeah. And we're ben, going streaking. Yeah, and Ben doesn't drink a lot anyway. Like he never goes out. Uh, and when he did, when he did go out, he'd only like have a pitcher or two and sing karaoke. So, I mean, it's not like he drank a lot anyway, but then when you add on to the fact that he would eat 600 calories in a day and then sit down with like a, like a, you know, fish hook IPA with that, or like a full throttle nitro IPA. That's like 9%. Yeah. Imperial he, stouts. Yeah. So then of course, uh, Terry and I would say, Oh, Oh, like I get him like, you know, I'd get something ready at my house for like, we get ready for a podcast or whatever. And I would have like beef sticks and stuff. And then I, Terry and I would give him like two or three grapes and say, here, this is for your anus because that's the only way he would eat it. Um, so you're never going to apologize for no, that. No, it was worth uh, it. I don't and, like that. Uh, okay. Maybe someday. All right, well, let me, all right, then here. For you. For you. Oh, well, no, don't do it for me. I'm saying it, it, you really, it has to be from the heart. You have to be compelled. Now that I've said something, we have to wait. Like you have to let, there's got to be a cool down period before you apologize and say, you know what, Ben, you were right. Well, you know what? <laughs> cool down period, activate. Cool down period, complete i apologize for giving you such a hard time oh, dude, about inserting grapes all of that for nothing i don't give a shit please tell me more uh, no don't <laughs> you start doing that too please tell me more <laughs> so anyway inside joke but for any any of us fat ass americans yeah, we here, in america yeah. eat too much <laughs> it's, uh, it's no. a problem yeah you know what else is a problem <laughs> childhood hunger <laughs> yeah how do you have two of those same things in the same country I mean, yeah i don't know so in the mornings i have two hard-boiled eggs a cup of greek yogurt and a banana and for a snack i have uh, an orange all and ingested orally orally and okay. i'll have a handful of uh, baby carrots and then for lunch i will have a salad with some uh, chicken on it or a chicken wrap or something and then for afternoon snack it's usually baby carrots or um 
baby carrots and a couple slices of cheese. The other thing I eat a lot at lunch too is I'll take a can of tuna, mix it with some uh, goop and glop, and uh, some devil spit uh, pickles from Famous Dave's. Mix it all up and then use you know baby carrots. The I love carrots, and then uh, yeah, and then snack. It's usually cheese, maybe some grapes, and then dinner whatever Jackie makes, but just in small portions. And it's it's so far it's worked. I don't know what's gonna happen now, but uh, you know moving forward like. What happens when I'm really hungry and I go by Hardee's and their their bacon, egg, and cheese biscuits are just laughing at me, wanting me to come <laughs> home. Um, but uh, yeah, so pick me, pick me. Yeah, so anyway, that's that's kind of what's been going on uh, since we last talked. Just trying to better myself and get healthy. Uh, try to survive the pandemic here. Uh, also, um, luckily, uh, you know, some things in Montana are open, but for the most part, uh, it's just sitting here trying not to uh, drown my wife and. Uh, Lock my kids in the car for weeks at a time. So, <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, dude. No, uh, pandemic is crazy. When that first started, you know, like I, I gained, I told you, I gained like thirty pounds, man. They closed the gyms, and I was like, well, nothing else for me to do except for eat. <laughs> How am I going to pass the time? Boy, I'm bored. I'm gonna run a train on those chicken fingers. <laughs> Insert orally and otherwise. <laughs> no, no, never, never, never orally. No, I mean anally. <laughs> I was gonna say we we know. <laughs> like, uh, what are we talking about? Yeah. Oh my god. Well, you're you refusing to eat food and just putting it up your butt and hope to. Keep some of those calories. What am I saying? I don't know. Nipples. <laughs> I have nipples. Can you Could, milk me? Yeah, it couldn't be any hooter. Hotter oh in here. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> well, the uh, the other part, too, is uh, when you do eat, though, it's uh, you can put it down, but I don't ever really see you eat until you do eat, and then you eat a lot, and then you don't eat again. So, I mean, <coughs> excuse me, Fran Lung. But it could be uh, two, uh, you know, two different ways to do it, I guess. Uh, just uh, I would say anybody who's young out there, just stop eating so damn much and uh, you don't have to worry about it. I, uh, you know, I, I got diagnosed with psoriatic arthritis and uh, it went untreated for about two years. And um, so I, everything hurt. So I didn't move a lot. Well, then I got treatment for it and then it went into remission and now I can move. And then it's like, now I don't want to, because now I want to go get a, you know, grand Mac from McDonald's and, you know, large oh. strawberry shake. You know what I'm saying? But, uh, large uh, strawberry yeah. shake. <laughs> Let me get that club sandwich. Yeah. You know, I don't eat pork. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's pork on a club sandwich. Yeah. Oh, there is. Bacon <laughs> is a pork product. Man. Mr. Burr. Yeah. <laughs> you know I don't eat poke. We had a that that story comes from a time where uh, Ben and I used to coach football for uh kids and uh, we ran the defense and this guy named Mark and another guy named Jesse ran the offense for this kids for these kids and um anyway, uh we all went out to eat before a game uh to a place that's now closed called Suds Hut. And um we're sitting down and uh uh talking, you know, talking about the game and what we're going to plan for and then um Mark, uh, this, or this guy, this coach that we're talking about is like, uh, you know, talking about his faith and his faith prevents him from eating pork products. And so I was talking about getting a rack of ribs and I'm like, Mark, uh, would you share this rack of ribs with me? And he goes, man, you don't, you know, I don't eat pork. I don't eat pork. And then then he comes in smooth. The waitress comes in all smooth. You know, what would you like to eat? And he starts licking his lips. He says, yeah, uh, (laughs) let me get a, let me get a raspberry iced tea. (laughs) 
in a club sandwich. And Ben and I just looked at each other. I was like, I thought you can't eat pork. And he's like, I can't. And we were just like, well, you know, it's on a club sandwich. <laughs> we look, at, we both look at each other. Josh and I look at each other and uh, I'm not going to tell him. I'm not going to tell him either. Like, if you don't know that a club sandwich has ham and bacon on it, then you. <laughs> hey, how did we get here? I don't know, man. <laughs> what's going on yeah. here i never know man. i never know so anytime you hear us say let me get a club sandwich it's uh kind of a reference in a way of saying i believe in something and then i'm going to do something exactly opposite like yeah. uh so anyway um but uh we won that game and then um i don't think we ever really brought it up to him like what we like you know i was like oh i'm just gonna let him continue until he bites into that hard piece of bacon and it's like what's this yeah oh, oh no a lot uh-uh. <laughs> damned for all eternity i know so i it's uh it's it, it, it gets funny um uh when you if you ever get to know this guy because he's a salt of the earth kind of dude he's just i don't know if he really thought that through that day so yeah um, reminds me yeah. uh you know, when people tell you, when people say F you, people that you think care about you, it kind of oh, reminds yeah. me of a certain situation that's on topic for today. Uh, you know, when you buy into something uh, for one reason or another, whether your life sucks or uh, <laughs> or you just want to make friends or you, you feel like you're doing the right thing. And in doing so, you're manipulated uh, in uh, by somebody's pandering and all of a sudden you're part of this group, right? And then you're in that group and you're abiding by this group's rules. And even though you realize that the group's rules don't really align with the reason why the group exists, and then you question that or you do something that that group doesn't like and all of a sudden you're ostracized and you're kicked out of the group. It kind of reminds me of something, Ben. What does it remind uh, you of? What does it remind you of? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, honestly, it reminds me of these, uh, uh, what goes on in, in the church uh, environment and dynamics that drive a lot of people away. Um, when you look at like atheist threads and you look at, um, people who were once believers and are now atheists, one of the things, uh, that is or a reoccurring theme in those threads is that, um, they felt judged. They felt, uh, ostracized. They were like, whether they were gay or had tattoos or had piercings or whatever these, uh, <clears throat> obstinate Christian, uh, folk, uh, think, all of a sudden, you know, they find this out after being a good little Christian. And the next thing you know, oh, you can't be part of our congregation anymore. Or you can't sing in our choir. Or you're, we appreciate your tithing, but we'd like you to sit in the back because you have full sleeve tattoos. Now, a lot of churches don't do that, but a lot of churches do. And those, I would say more churches do that than churches that don't. Right. But, I mean, you know. Right. And it's almost like exceptions. A, right. And it's almost like a fall from grace with, uh, with the people who run the church. But... It's not a fall from grace from God, and that gets missed because the personal relationships we have with people somehow supersede the relationship we have with God. And in doing that, it becomes more real to us. Like if I went to your church and you found out my tattoos and you're like, well, Josh, uh, we don't want you part of our choir anymore, and uh, we appreciate your tithing, but you know, could you please sit towards the back of the church? Um, it would make me... Uh, it, it, I would feel that to be not just against you and the church, but as a new believer or a young believer, I would all automatically think, well, this Ben speaks for God. And so I must be making God unhappy. And then, you know, then it, it's like being in a bad diet. It's like, what's the point of trying to start over? So um, to me, I think that's a big issue um, uh, that I, I hear. It's a reoccurring theme from other people as well. Like, can you, they, I've been asked, can you talk about that? So today I'd like to talk about that with you a little bit. 
Sure. Okay. So let's break this down for a second. Um, so say for example, in the case of, um, we'll just go with like a, a divorce that happens within the church, both of the individuals, um, um, at one point we're going to the church regularly. Um, and then they get divorced. There might be a fallout period where neither of them go to that same church, you know, during, during the divorce process or whatever. And usually what I've seen before in the past in working in churches and then um, just own personal experience, uh, like uh, going to churches, how individuals are treated when one of those people decide to go back is typically it's not both of them. One of them says, well, that's my church. That's where I want to go. You know, that's that's where I want to be. They come in, you know, after this little break period or whatever it is from the, you know, like since the the split since the divorce they come in they get all kinds of glares and looks almost like a look with the cat dragged in uh kind of scenario yeah, right. where it's like uh oh you're here you know and it could be it could be either one it's not necessarily that one has investment over the other but i'm saying that's what i notice is like when one goes back it's like hmm you know, look what the cat dragged in almost like a, a sense of, um, uh, a sense of self entitlement, you know, like, uh, for an individual to judge knowing that divorce took place. And of course it's scripture divorce, you know, there's, there's only, there's only one reason, uh, for divorce to take place in, in Matthew, you know, uh, it mentions, Jesus mentions, you know, with, except, Except for for adultery, mar- marriage should should be maintained. You know, there's no other reason for divorce or whatever. Well, the thing is, like uh, in today in today's culture and today's society, today's age is completely different than how it was back then too. But I'm not going to get into that. I mean, we can get into that. And argue well, and also, that. well, and also too, the definition of adultery doesn't just mean a, a physical connection between you know like a, a woman mm-hmm. cheating on her husband it could be a man cheating on his wife with alcohol i mean mm-hmm. it's a, it's putting something above the marriage anyway continue right. right but yeah and so like i wouldn't get into that or whatever and i'm not and I, I don't say that from a scriptural standpoint to say that anybody's entitled to judge anybody's personal relationships um but uh, I want to break it down because there's different groups of people within the church, at least that I find different groups uh, of people within the church and and how they treat the situation. And in almost all cases, the person that's coming in with this, you know, this brokenness needing to be whole, um, but is met with rejection on, on all counts, but, but maybe doesn't see like the, the, uh, you know, some of the, some of the individuals that, that are, would normally be accepting, but are just going with the flow and saying, well, you know, like, this is the way that it is. You're being treated like this from executive leadership. So I, I guess I have to treat you this way because, you know, I, I belong to this church and I, I want to continue to belong to this church. So they, they follow it hook, line and sinker thinking that's the way that it's supposed to be because they're, religion or their belief system has been weaponized to, to believe that way, Mm -hmm. you know? So there's, um, so first I'll start with like executive leadership, uh, depending on how, you know, uh, senior pastors, uh, look at a situation, what they've talked about from the pulpit, as far as divorce is concerned. Um, you know, and again, I'm just bringing up divorce. I'm not bringing up like, um, tattoos or piercings or, you know, like uh, a reputation for being loose, you know, like, I'm not bringing up any of that stuff. I'm just bringing up this situation just because 
um, like in a microcosm, if you were to expand it, you know, it's very similar across the board. An individual that's bringing in either visible, you know, signs of, uh, um, see, even then, like, Tattoos and pier- yeah, behaviors. I know, but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Tattoos and piercings are invisible signs of living in sin. So yeah. it's bullshit. But I'm saying that there's this pre- preconception in church that tattoos and piercings are evidence, uh, are physical evidence of living in sin. So, I mean, this is where, this is where we, right from the very beginning, it's like, you know, like they're, like you're automatically judged by your cover, which mm. is, which is bullshit. But so again, like with divorce and having the knowledge of divorce, this is why I bring this up. So you have some people that actively, actively decline it, actively shun you because, you know, one group of individuals that, that actively shun you that will, that will basically ask you to leave or ask you to sit in the back or would treat you with absolute disdain. Then there are other individuals that think that they know better than you. And most of them, and, and again, just using a, a divorce as like a, um, an example, you know, where their marriages are intact on, on the surface, you know, and they've got everything figured out. They may, they may be getting divorced two years later, you know, and they just, you know, are too fearful to do it, whatever the case is. I don't know, but, um, but they will be the advice givers. But of course, if you don't take their advice, then you'll be shunned or, you know, it's like, I don't know what's wrong with them. I told them, you know, like, this is what they need to do and they're just not doing it. They just don't want to do it. They just want to continue to live in sin. You know, mm-hmm. uh, that group of people. And then there's the third group of people that from an outside level, they don't, they want to help. They want to help, but they don't know how to help. And so they say, well, what's everybody else in the church doing? Like, what are these other two groups in the church doing? Oh, th- this is what they're doing. So maybe that's, that's what they need. You know, maybe that's the help that they need. And so they follow suit because these other two groups, you got actively shunning, giving like advice from a a high horse type of behavior. And then you have the, the, the third, you know, the compassionate group that then, and of course there's a few exceptions where the compassionate group says the other two groups, I'm going to help this individual because I've been through it and it's not a great situation to be in. A church has treated me this way before. And I'm, I'm going to give them as much help as I possibly can. And if they don't need it, they don't need it. That's fine. But I'm, I'm going to be here and I'm going to let them know that I'm here. Individuals like that in church, though, are so few and far between. They're so few and far between, and that's the problem. Or they'll just follow suit again. Like I want to help, but it looks like this is what we're doing here as a church. So or be quiet, yeah, and, and, and not say anything. Complicit. That's that's yeah. what I'm saying. Just remain complicit and say, well, you know, I mean, I'm just gonna. I don't want to make any waves for myself mm-hmm. because if I make waves for myself, then I'll be lotted in with this individual who's actively getting shunned, and I don't want to get shunned, but. Honestly, if you have to worry about shit like that, why do you belong to that church in the first place? Right, right. So, yeah, so those those three groups, that's that's what I normally find. And, of course, the bottom line is somebody coming in after a long break like that really just is looking to not necessarily, well, yeah, looking to fill the void, looking to mend the brokenness, but not with other church individuals. They're looking to, you know, they're looking for a spiritual higher power, you know, to to essentially help them you know, get through this, this area of turmoil in their lives. And they're met with more turmoil. They're met with more dissension. They're met with more friction because, because, okay, the decision's made. 
no matter how no matter what sense of entitlement somebody brings to the situation no matter what sense of high horse advice somebody gives or the amount of shunning that somebody provides that decision isn't going to reverse itself it's the same with a tattoo right. <laughs> like uh, what you, you think i'm gonna get laser removal surgery for your ass for your sake no 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 this is this is my body this is my tattoo and and you have no idea what it being on my body means like what it represents to me what it symbolizes so why do you even care mm-hmm. what what about your relationship with christ can we examine that i mean my shit's on the surface what do you got going on in the closet all right josh <laughs> nothing i wish i wish i had oh, you, fun you, you wish you had something in the closet so no. You just, <laughs> no i mean that's well, weird i <laughs> not like that but stutter I mean, stutter no not like <laughs> that but <laughs> i i think uh i think you're right i think the the thing is is um when i've dealt with you know people like that in churches that i belong to you know they somebody always has some line of scripture that they throw at me it's like well you know i don't think god's gonna hold it against me because i have some tattoos i'm like well actually in leviticus it says and it's like um do you understand the the context of which that book was written do you understand the context of which moses was writing those things or paul was writing those things if you don't understand the context like for example when he um when he would write to the thessalonians or to the philippians you know he was writing to a particular church that had a particular set of problems a lot of those transcend uh our cultures or transcend you know churches across but um there are some things that that we that again nuances uh by the author that that people miss because they have this idea that it's god's word and that is exactly we need to take it exactly the way god said it it is god's word and there are there are um, uh, rules and lessons that we that transcend through time and culture, but there's also a change in culture. There's always a renaissance within the Christian faith. That's what makes the Christian faith so amazing. Well, it's fluid, it, right? Because it's it, it takes on a new set of of challenges and applies old laws to it. But these old laws are fluid. They're 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 breathing. They they live, and it's because we have a God that lives. And so, when I do go to a church uh, and I see things that happen. Um, um, I, you know, I call it out. I've always been one to just not, not sit quietly. Uh, I'll give you an example. I used to have a girlfriend, an ex-girlfriend whose dad was a a minister of the church of God of prophecy. Um, if you don't know what that is, it's called Kogop. Uh, if you don't know what that is, it's a lot like an assembly of God. Um, most of their ministers are very, 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 uh, knowledgeable in the Bible. Um, and they're really graceful people. I would say that they're a, a better version of the Assembly of God. Really well dressed too. No, no, oh, they're, okay. they're, they're almost that must, uh, co- that must be Kogic, like the C O G I C. Okay, okay, yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Uh, they're they're very they're almost like Mennonite if you could imagine that. But anyway, um, they um, the my ex girlfriend's mother. So my mom and I went to to Powell, Wyoming, to go visit her parents, and the dad was amazing. I mean, he is a great guy. But the mom was very, she did like me anyway, and uh, which is fine. But when they met my mom, she had already known that my mom had had several divorces throughout her, throughout her life. And this gal says to my mother, uh, while me and uh, my ex-girlfriend were in the other room, she said, I understand you've been uh, married and divorced several times. And my mom goes, yeah, you know, I had an abusive husband and I had another husband who, you know, committed suicide. And then my third, you know, Josh's dad, things didn't work out. And uh, she goes, 
well, so are you a Christian? And mom goes, absolutely, I love Jesus. And she goes, you do realize that there's no place for you in the kingdom. My mother says, I mean, what gives you that impression, ma'am? And she's like, well, you, you, <laughs> it's ma'am, right? You know, you, you got a divorce and uh, you broke one of the uh, uh, one of the laws that God gave through Paul that you can't get a divorce. Uh, did your husband cheat on you? And mom goes, probably. But, you know, and she's like, well, if that's not why you got a divorce, then it's not ordained. And therefore, you're not going to heaven. The thing about it is, is that um, now my mom, she she has a lot of faults, but uh, as as do we all. But she didn't take her serious. But the thing that that this lady didn't tell my mother is that she had had an abortion uh, before she had my my ex girlfriend or my girlfriend at the time, who was the oldest of that family. She had another kid, but she got a she got an abortion. And to me, when the, you, the wait, so the lady that was judging my mother, talking to your mom and saying, "Well, you know, yeah, yeah," had had an abortion in her teens. And, uh, and again, I'm not saying if you have an abortion, you're going to hell. I'm just saying if, if you're speaking from, uh, um, from the moral high ground here, if you're speaking from a position of authority, like you're speaking on behalf of God's judgment, then if you're at that point and you're not Elijah, Enoch, Jesus, or, uh, Abraham, then you have no reason, uh, to open your mouth, but she did. And she, and she came from, uh, uh, uh like you said, have, uh, skeletons in her own closet mm -hmm. uh but she didn't care about that see she was too busy projecting her judgment onto somebody else and i feel like that theme uh that my mother went through with this lady and me i went through it too because i had a tattoo you know i had a tongue piercing everything like that you had a tongue piercing yeah oh my god yeah, that was cool back then i had it for a year did you have highlights too i did like frosted tips yes. Yes. No, you didn't. I swear to God. I did. Oh my God. I did. I did, I did. did you, did you, did you listen to Insane Clown Posse? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, but I, yeah, I, I, right. I, 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 again, ICP shows up in our podcast. Uh, I, uh, I did, but I wasn't one juggalo. of those. I wasn't a jangle tit. I was <laughs> a, uh, I just had Jesuit. Yeah, I just had an album of theirs. Uh, Jazzercise. <laughs> but uh, anyway, but that. The, oh my god! But let me do frosted tips, dude. Well, it was like early two thousands, bud. Like, the great Malenko. Uh, 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 I hate you. Uh, but but that but shut up. But that but that uh, that, that uh, mentality that she had, I think is a, is a really good, uh, um, example of what people go through. Now I want to be clear about something here. What we're doing here is not discussing the fact that, uh, like this, this doesn't, this isn't ordained by God, right? Like people like Ben and I are, are, I would hope we're the voice of God moving forward for people who've experienced this to say, well, no, this isn't right. And, um, and this is what has become the face of, of the evangelical movement and Christianity as a whole. It's uh, send us money. Don't do anything bad. If you do, we're going to call you out because we are the intercessor between God and man. And we can tell you what his judgment is. Um, and, and of course we cannot. I mean, in the Bible, Cyrus, the king of Persia, who did not worship uh, uh, Jehovah, did not worship uh, the, the Israeli God, uh, found favor with God. And he all all he did was set the Jews free from Babylon and send them back to Israel with enough supplies to rebuild their temple. And all of a sudden, this man becomes uh, a, a man of God, uh, according to the scripture. Daniel says God is with him. So, you know, you, you look at these examples in the Bible and you, you, you have to think to yourself, 
is this lady or this person judging me because I had got a divorce or because I have tattoos or, or I am loose or whatever the case is. Uh, if God was with uh, a person, a mortal enemy of the Jewish people and all he did was set him free and yet God was with him, what makes it that God's not going to be with you? Yeah. These people don't speak for God. I mean, I don't speak for God, but I'm here to say what you went through is bullshit. I get it. For the people who doubt what we're saying, you can find me a verse here and there to explain, well, here's why people with tattoos are going to hell. It's and 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 yeah, okay, cool. Was that the Levites? Because that makes sense. Was it the Romans? Well, that makes sense. They put Christians on stakes and burned them. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, th th there's a lot to that, but but at the same time, did God die for the few? Yeah. Did, did Christ come down and just die for a couple of the worthy? Well, see, it's appropriate to question, uh, you know, again, we, I'm not speaking on behalf of God. You know, we're, we're not speaking on behalf of God. Absolutely not. But, uh, but it's appropriate to question um, a, you know, a religion, an organized um, group of people that professes love and acceptance and shows anything but. Exactly. Like, it's appropriate to question that because you say, okay, well, this is what you're saying, but what you're doing is this, right. and that is not what you're saying. So, you know, help me make sense of this. Uh, why Why is it that you're, you're pandering until I'm, you know, like brought through the doors and as soon as you get my tithe check, you know, then it's determined where I'm placed in the pecking order. Then it's determined where I'm placed in the placed in the caste system in the church. Mm -hmm. You know, and the thing is, I mean, don't get me wrong. This doesn't apply like, you know, the, the way that some individuals get shunned from the church doesn't apply to everyone. I mean, if you have tattoos and piercings, but you're, you know, 10% of your tithe is, you know, keeping the church afloat and keeping the lights on. Uh, you're not getting shunned, no. you know, no. you know, but the next person to walk in with tattoos and piercings in, 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 in a very conservative church may very well, you know, get, oh, well, well, mm -hmm. you know, the ho, uh, the ho hums and the high and lofty that look down from you from their nose. Yeah. Because if you follow it, if you follow it all the way to the end and you know, I've said this before, I've said this in multiple podcasts, it's money. Mm -hmm. The more money you give, the less likely you're, you're to get shunned, but really is that normal? Well, it's normal, but is that right? right. No, that's not right. Exactly. Absolutely. It's, it's so far, it's so far from what Christ wanted, uh, for the church anyway. I mean, mm -hmm. think about it, man. If he's, if he's conversing with Mary Magdalene, who was a known prostitute before mm -hmm. all of this, you know, mm -hmm. can you imagine like if, if Christ hadn't conversed with her and just said, Hey, take a look at Mary, welcome her in. How would she have been welcomed in? She wouldn't have. No, there's no way in she, hell. She would have got the same right. welcome as Matthew did before Man. Jesus was like, you people need to shut your mouth. Like, you know, they didn't like him either. Right. A tax collector was worse than a prostitute, you know, and like he went through the same garbage and uh, Jesus was more than welcoming. Yeah, Let man. him be one of his 12. But yeah, then dude. And modern day church, Mary Magdalene comes in, you know, like the board board members have a meeting. They say, well, we can't have a tent revival, man. There's too many poles in there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. never know what mary's gonna do i know look at her look at that dress look at those tats is that a tramp stamp yeah. you know it's oh, it's uh shit. here we go yeah it's uh it's totally that way and the thing is is to to subscribe to a belief system like that and be able to question that that doesn't mean you're less of a uh, follower of christ if you look at these problems and say these are issues more importantly they're issues that are driving people away 
Uh, it goes, it's not about pandering, which is what the church has become. Uh, it, it, it's more about like, I have a good friend and I talk about him with you all the time that I talk on Facebook with his name's Ryan. Uh-huh. Uh, he's, he's a, he's a moderate liberal and I'm a moderate conservative. And so p- politically, and so, uh, we have really good debates back and forth. And I brought up that I felt the Democrat party is full of panders. And he said, well, so, so, is, so is religion. And he's right. Um, that's not the way it was intended to be though. Pandering, uh, you know, to act a certain way, to get a group of people to join you. That, that's not what it was supposed to be about. And that's not the message that Christ had laid down in his path. Uh, uh Jesus never, never was. No. And Jesus never promised to be part, you know, if you follow me, you could be part of a group and you'll have instant friends and you know, you're going to have prestige and you're going to have uh, a, a very powerful, uh, political voting base to support. It's, uh, it was never about that and it never, it's still not today yet. That's what it's become. And so when you call it out, it's not, it doesn't make you less of a Christian. What it does do is, uh, helps you keep your mind open to the possibility that Jesus is working in ways that the church doesn't profess because that doesn't match their agenda. It's a money-making operation. It's a money-making scheme. And, uh, did Jesus have money? Yes. But did he do it for money? No. And that right there is that, that's the, again, the word for today is nuance, but that's another nuance that is, is, is overlooked in today's church. But again, money is the root that has created all of this division and confrontation within the church and is actually driving away people. It's just complicated shit. Right, right. I mean, at, at, at one point, you know, the idea of being a Christian was not about going to heaven. Uh, it, mostly to be a Christian was to give you a better way of living. It's easier to live in love than it is to live in resentment. In peace, compassion. Yeah, absolutely. I I wish that uh, Jesus's commandment would have like a today's translation. Like instead of love your neighbor as yourself, the translation would just say, just don't be a dickhead. Yeah. The word (laughs) up. I mean, for real, like that's, that's, that's the truth. Uh, and that's what it's become. I mean, you walk into any church and you start asking them about their core tenets of faith and you start asking about what their plans are with tithing. You know, you walk in as a new member, you're, I guarantee you 90% of the churches you walk into are going to say, why don't you just have a seat? And, uh, and if you don't like it, well, there's other churches in town. Like nobody will sit down with you anymore and hear your concerns as a new member of the church. Yeah. I'll bet a new Christian for that matter, you know, uh, you and I both are going to tell stories uh, uh, that kind of match uh, what we have went through ourselves or what we've experienced ourselves uh, to kind of, and we do those stories so that we can show you kind of how we have identified issues within these uh, churches um, and what that does to people who might have a problem in their life. Nobody becomes a Christian in times of, of, of peace and our peace in their own lives. They become Christians in times of war. Um, um, turmoil, uh, if, debt, depression, uh, divorce, struggle, yeah. struggle. And you know, it's like, uh, it's like the movie interview with God where he asks, can an atheist be a moral person? And God says, the person playing God goes, yes. And you can build your house on sand, but you just better hope the earth doesn't shake. When people come to Christ, they come to Christ because the earth is shaking and their, and their house is sinking. And they're like, what do I need? What is it? You know, I'm looking for answers. And instead of getting answers to their questions, what they're getting met with is judgment and resentment. And, and like you said, that caste system where when Jesus would wash people's, his disciples feet, 
That's not happening in today's church. Uh, it is in some, but in a lot of them, the pe- executive pastor believes what 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 can you do for me now, and that and like you said, you can trace that those behaviors and that caste system all the way up to executive leadership, and then from executive leadership, you trace it right back to the source, which is their money, money. exactly, exactly. But Ben, I really wanted you to tell your story um, about the the tattoo. Oh yeah, yeah. Man. So I mean, because this was like. Okay, so um, this was a long time ago. Um, I had just graduated college. It was the first full-time youth pastor position that I had. And uh, and I already had, I had one piercing. I had my left ear pierced. It was a hoop. And I was going to get my right ear pierced. And I was actually going to start getting tattoos then, like at that point in my life. I mean, we're talking, you know, early 20s or whatever. And it's a good time to do it, I think, you know, mm-hmm. like you, you're old enough that you're making decisions, you know, permanent decisions that you're okay with, but young enough that, you know, like it doesn't look like you're going through a midlife crisis mm-hmm. as a result. I mean, like as a result of this story, I have no tattoos up to this point to date and I'm going to get one this year. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to get one this year and, but I'm 41. So like, it's like, yep, it screams midlife crisis. And I promise I'm not going through one. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah right old balls yeah. McGee over here <laughs> no i drive a nissan versa <laughs> like, <laughs> it's not like <laughs> it's not like a corvette or a big truck or anything like that it's just a, a very moderate conservative four-door sedan mm-hmm. beautiful <laughs> so anyway back to my early 20s uh before the midlife crisis um so like I had this, this hoop in and, uh, and I think he said this partly for this, the guy's name was Bill. I won't give a last name, but the guy's name was Bill and he was a board member of the church and the setting was a Saturday morning. It was a, like a men's breakfast Bible study. And, uh, so he, you know, like we're talking about things or whatever. And, uh, you know, he looks at me, looks around the room and, and he says, you know, so yeah, don't, you know, like if there's there's any man that comes into this church, you know, has uh, tattoos or, or, or piercings, I'm going to treat him like a slave. Just kind of look at him, you know, the rest of the guys around the group, keep in mind, this is a small church. So most of the guys are either what my age is now or older. So like 40 plus, you know, but I'm by far clear and far the youngest in this group. I think I was 23 at the time, maybe 24. So, but by far, I mean, at least some, they had at least 15 years or more on me and anybody else, the youngest person other than me in the group had at least 15 years on me. This bill guy was, was just past his sixties, like 62, somewhere in there. And he looks, you know, looks around the rooms, like you come in and you have tattoos or you have a piercing. I'm going to treat you as a slave. And like, you know, I'm looking at everybody else. Nobody else has tattoos and piercings. I'm like, this is talking to me, man. Then he, then he, then he doubles down, you know, I don't know. Cause I didn't, it's not like I told anybody I was going to get that second piercing or whatever. And he's like, yeah, if you have a, a second piercing or a sa- second tattoo, it means you're a slave for life. And just looks straight at me. And I'm like, what? You know, like I'm the youth pastor in this church, you know, and this guy's like judging me based on a singular hoop earring. Can you imagine what somebody coming into that church with more piercings, more tattoos would have been treated like? Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, I'm like, well, I have a job and I really can't like leave it right now, even though I was getting paid next to nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I mean, it's, I'm not going anywhere. 
So I took the earring out. You know, I talked to the pastor about it. He says, yeah, it is frowned upon in this church. You know, because it was the first men's breakfast that I went to. It is frowned upon in this church. Like, what? That should have been my first indication and I should have left. And where, and where did where did this idea of yeah. being treated like a slave come from? So I, I can't remember the passage right now off the top of my head. Like, I can't remember exactly where it's at in the Bible. But it's, um, cult, from a cultural standpoint, the Assyrians, um, you know, like were a... You never wanted to be captured by the Assyrians. Like the Assyrians were were a very uh, warlike um, culture uh, mm-hmm. where everything was driven on um, conquering, um, raping, pillaging, um, and uh, and so the Assyrians though. Uh, one thing that they would do is they would definitely keep people alive either to torture or to enslave. And so with the Assyrians, when they enslaved, they would pierce their slaves um, through their the septum, through the middle of their nose uh, with a ring, with a very large ring. And they would rope, they would string all of the slaves together as they're, they're, you know, nomadically migrating back, you know, from one village to another uh, so that the slaves would fall in line um, because, you know, like they're, they're pierced and they're essentially attached to this rope by their nose. And that's where that, that's where that concept came from, where if you have piercings, you're demonstrating that you're, that you're a slave. Mm-hmm. But see, the thing is that's old Testament. And what I love so much about um, Christ, and I think it's mentioned in Matthew chapter 10, that he mentions that we're all slaves. And this is something like, I mean, Old Testament and New Testament, this is where Christ ripped the veil, like with New Testament, Christ ripped the veil and says, you know what, Old Testament, we can use it for knowledge, we can use it for resource, but I'm the sacrificial lamb. Anything after this, you know, it, it, you come through me and I'm the mediator. Like that's who I, I'm here for you. I died for you, mm-hmm. you know? And so in Matthew chapter, I believe it's Matthew chapter 10, maybe it's Romans chapter 10. I want to say Romans chapter 10 over Matthew chapter 10. It's kind of, um, needless to say, uh, Romans chapter 10, he talks about us all being slaves, but we, we, we have the choice in, in this slavery, either to be slaves to righteousness or slaves to sin. Mm. That's and, a good point. And so, so the thing is, yeah, okay, slave for life permanently, but Christ gave me the ability to choose. Mm-hmm. So you coming in and telling me that as a youth pastor, you're not going to dissuade me from going going anywhere else. Mm-hmm. I I'll find I'll find the truth within your bullshit words and 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 I'll continue to go on with my life. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I didn't get any tattoos or piercings not because of him, but you know, at that point, I'm like, okay, well, is it this church for three years? Is it another church for three more years? Didn't want to make any waves or anything like that. And then after I left the ministry, I just really didn't think about it. And then all of a sudden, it's like, you know, like I've had a lot of changes in my life lately. And and this is something that I'd like to revisit because I've always wanted tattoos. Mm-hmm. So, you know, just things on my body that make me unique. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are already things on my body that make me unique. I have like a sweater underneath the yeah, sweater. But. Yeah. Well, yeah. no, I, I think, in, and that's exactly right. Like people, um, and you know, like in the movie book of Eli, the idea behind that movie was, um, uh, Carnegie played by Gary Oldman wanted to find the Bible to use it for, as a method of control. And Eli, uh, wanted to save the Bible and use it to be read 
you know, lyrically, like, you know, and, and, and the, the truest words, uh, to be the truer words to be spoken. And when you look at the old Testament and you look at the laws, you know, that was nation building. And then Jesus comes and not nation, like we think like, you know, building a, a, a nation with borders, but a nation as a nation of God. And once that was established and strengthened, then Christ would come. And that way the Jews and the Gentiles would have a place in heaven. Um, and, you know, you know, like, and I, one of my favorite things that Jesus used to say in front of Pharisees was don't pray just to, just so that people can see you pray. Those are brood of vipers. Like those are, those are people just waiting to bite, uh, you know, uh, pray because you, you love God pray because you want to talk to the creator. And, uh, uh, and also too the, the, the gift of tongues, uh, mentioned when the disciples did it. And I love because Pentecostals think that that's some weird babbling angelic language. And I am a believer that the gift of tongues is your ability to speak in other languages that are understood by man, some men or, you know, women, whoever, uh, culture that that's speaking from, but there are times where God will give you the gift of tongues where you can communicate in a language you don't know, which is what the disciples did on the, on the festival of Pentecost after Christ's resurrection. So to me, whenever I hear a church say, you don't speak in tongues, you're not a Christian or your name's not in the Lamb's book of life. Uh, I laugh. Uh, and my story uh, comes from, well, so correction though, usually it's like the absence of speaking in tongues doesn't, doesn't, um, exclude you from heaven. But it means that you do not have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Like you do not have the empowerment to witness to other oh, people. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So, so yeah, just just a slight correction there. Just because, you know, like you don't need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, now, if you if you grow up in a Sons of God church, I mean, that's the very next thing. You get saved and it's like, okay, let's get you speaking in tongues. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, we're a podcast. We need to be fact-checked. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so – my whole life I went to a uh, Christian reform church and they're pretty solid because they have a belief that you, you know, you follow God, do service, uh, live your life for Christ kind of a thing. It's uh, you service is very uh, important to Christian reform church. And uh, like, if you're a Christian reformist, you're doing something in the church uh, volunteering. It, it, they're amazing people. And they always have the best food because it's a bunch of old, old Dutch hens who like bust out oh, old sure. family recipes. Like I grew up in that church. Right. Yeah. So we moved to Montana and the first church we go to is the Baptist church. And I've never really subscribed to the Baptist ideology, uh, hellfire and brimstone. And then we tried a Lutheran church, which we fell asleep in. And then we went to this assembly of God. Now this was the first time I'd ever been, uh, um, uh, introduced to something like that. So, I'd never heard of speaking in tongues uh, as the way they thought it was. I always was grown up, uh, brought up to believe that the gift of tongues was given. You could speak in another yeah, language. Right. And so my first time, now mind you, uh, I've never experienced anything. I, you know, I'm a Floridian, A, uh, recently a Montanan. B, I don't know anybody in this mm -hmm. church. And C, I'm extremely awkward because it's like these those old wooden pews. Not individual seats like I'm used to. These are like the old yeah. school. Oh, things. yeah. Yeah. No, I'm familiar. Yeah. And so I, one thing that I do, uh, I used to hate going to church. And so whenever the pastor would preach, I would just read Revelations because to me, Revelations is the most, is the funnest, most fun book of the Bible. Mm -hmm. So I'm reading Revelations. And one thing about the Assembly of God churches or any church that wants to milk money out of you, they'll do a, like a two hour worship session. 
And on the last song, they'll sing the chorus a hundred times. Oh, yeah. Different ways, different, you know, uh, oh, slow, yeah. fast. Oh, my God. And uh, give thanks with, with a grateful heart. heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give thanks <laughs> to the Holy One. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so uh, they would sing that over and over. And then. Everybody oh, would get in the shit. everybody would get in that submissive mood because now they feel like they're connected to God, which I think they are. Um, God's not going to you know ignore them just because yeah. they he knows what the pastor's doing. And so you know people are in that mood, and I, I of course me I don't I, I'm not in that mood. I grew up in Reformed. It was you know four hymnals, service, food, and so <clears throat> I, I my head's up and I'm watching the pastor while the piano's gently playing and the guitars yeah, playing just the, pulling the, at them heartstrings, yep, yep. Bo. And I'm watching him do this, like you know, hand signals, like you know, get, get the get yeah, get, get the get offering, those plates. offering plates and uh, you get know, the collection cup. Yep, they pass it around, and uh, as the music's still going, people are in their prayer, and uh, you know, of course, they, they didn't look kind of like Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom when they're down, you know, yes, down in there and yes. they're like worshiping Kali yeah, 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 yeah. He's like he's got the heart. Yep, yep, <laughs> Kali Ma. Yeah, yeah. yeah, all their eyes. Kali are Ma, Shakti <laughs> Day. God. You in that movie? That's easily well. Indy, Indy, come here hard, come here hard, Indy. But it was like that, and so everybody is in that posture of prayer and worship, and then they, they of course could have time to stop because you know they give you know the person next to you bumps you with the plate. This was the handles with the purple sack, and they'd hit you, uh-huh. and it's like oh. oh yeah reach in, get a wad of money, you know, that way the you're not funk on the floor. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so, um, they put it together and of course I just take it and pass it on. I don't yeah. know you people. It goes around and the guy, <clears throat> the head usher takes the bags, combines them into one and then brings it up to pastor Holleran who then looks down and then goes like this and says, God, we are ready for your message. We are ready for your message. And I'm like, what? Like I, I was confused, you know, before it didn't matter what was in the plate. They would do it. They'd pray over it, throw it in the back. My personal belief is he didn't like what he saw in that bag. Yeah. And so he's like, I was thinking, yeah. So he's like, I'm ready for your message. And when he does that, somebody in the, and it's group think obviously, but somebody in the crowd. And it just so happened that it was this old lady in the crowd. Her name was Edith and she was uh-huh. the sweetest lady. Yeah. But she all of a sudden just starts going, I was waiting for the beat for the, for the drop. And, uh, everybody just sits down and the music stops. And for a good 30 seconds, she's screaming in this gibberish. And mind you, I'm, I'm, I'm used to like four hymnals, you know, like I said, like the old school stuff. And I'm just like, and I'm like, she's right behind, I'm right behind her just staring at her. Oh, right. Yeah. Probably white. Like your face is like super white. Like what is happening? Yeah. Eyes real big. Yeah. So what is going on. Yeah. And so she gets done and she falls down and everyone's like, yes, Lord, we're listening. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jesus. And mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. the pastor's Digesting like, it. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, this is delicious. Yeah. Yeah. And the pastor's <laughs> up there going, uh-huh. Yes, Lord. Okay. Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay, what the hell? Yeah. And then he goes, my children. And he starts talking like he's God. And yeah. he tells everybody it's about tithing. Oh, God was oh. unhappy that day that nobody gave what they could. And so anyway, fast forward, I, I immediately smelled bullshit. So I was like, whatever. So he gives this message, which he conveniently had nothing to do with tithing, but he had a way to tie, you know, tie that in. 
And then at the end, he goes, we are going to follow God's commandment and I'm going to pass the plate around again because God has commanded us to give. Oh my God. So he starts to play the music. And this is what I was telling you about the time. Uh, oh. I'm sitting in the, in the pew and it's been like three hours. <laughs> and I, I know where this is going because he's already told me about it. I this. had some <laughs> eggs that morning, buddy. And uh, so at this point, oh, I'm, I'm freaked out. I'm confused. I want to get out of there. Church is now three hours long and uh, I have to fart. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm 16, man. <laughs> and uh, I'm 16. I'm hey, waiting. listen, I don't, I don't know if there's an age limit on that. No, I know, especially now. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, uh, so it, it's not brewing until he's praying over, he's praying over the second collection. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I'm like, Oh, and then, you know, it's that one where it's like, it's not like a full fart. It's the bubbles. <laughs> yeah. And I had one on deck buddy. And it was like, wooden, I, wooden pews, my dear. Yeah. Wooden and, pews. Yeah. And it's like, it's quiet at this time, right? It's quiet at this time. And, uh, you know, he's, he's praying <laughs> And I'm like, oh God, here it comes, here it comes, no. And then also, okay, the music's starting, I'm good to go, I'm good to go. And then all of a sudden, he stops the music. <laughs> now, remember the beginning of my story, I said these were those old school wooden pews? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was slapping, just slapping against the pews. That shit went straight up my shoulders. That was like a pop, 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 First time in this uh, church. <laughs> you Everybody turned and looked at me and you was sit like, up, sit up real quick and look around. Hell yeah. I looked around like, who dare do that in the house of God? And I'm like looking around, you know, and, and, and everybody knew it was me. Because everybody that was surrounding me was like Ken Taylor, all these old like yeah. pe- like people I love now, but like yeah. back you know they were mainstay. Yeah, they would they wouldn't dare. Uh, hell no! The, the only one there is the sixteen year old with a goatee <laughs> wearing Tommy this, Hilfiger's, and I'm like, gotta be this new kid. This yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when the pastor skips you in his prayer, something that really cooks. <laughs> <laughs> oh my that's God. what i think about your tithe there's my 10 percent. like it was like it was so bad oh dear so continuing on we ended up staying in that church i don't know why and i you know nobody ever really talked about it except for the youth group uh who was there like when i'd start going there they're like oh you're the guy that farted on the pews and then of course that was like a oh, like you a, got some street cred uh, yeah well they're like you know how many times i needed to fart but i couldn't because i knew that would echo like people in in the county you over did it man yeah you paved the way Hell yeah oh i didn't care i mean i tried to be discreet but uh, how do i know when he's gonna speak in tongues oh and pray God. and so anyway um uh, the, the reason why I bring that up is because then our next step being members of that church was I needed to be slain in the spirit. Oh, he wants to be speaking in tongues. Yeah. It's <laughs> just you wait, Henry Higgins. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, thank you, Lord. We're going to, you guys need to give more. And I thought he wanted me to give more beef. I gave all I had. I had everything, buddy. I mean, and it was a photo finish to my house that day. But oh as God. the time went on, going oh, in that church, shit. they told me that the next step was to be slain in the spirit. And my mother, of course, she, yeah, yeah. she rolled around yeah, and flopped like a fish. Done. Yeah. 
me, I was there for like an hour, them praying over me. And, and they I, started I just, shoving you, didn't they? Well, they were, the guy goes, just start saying kitty as fast as you can and, <laughs> and just let the Lord take yeah. you. Just fall over. They'll catch you. <laughs> So I did. Oh, I went kitty, 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 and I tipped over because that's what he told me to do. <laughs> Hallelujah, slain in the spirit. Well, I ended up telling cool. the I ended up telling the pastor a little while later, like I, I didn't feel anything. He told me, he convinced me that I could never be a member of the kingdom of God yeah. if I wasn't slain in the spirit. And I'm like, Man, that's horseshit. I, I didn't know what he meant. So, you know, again, I apparently I'm not even to this day, I'm not a part of the kingdom of God according to Holler. And of course now he's departed. But so when we, when Ben and I are talking about these things with you guys, like all of this comes from personal experience as well as our, uh, our knowledge of the scripture, um, as the way Christ, we think Christ intended it, which is if anybody judges you they're they're not God. So you don't really need to listen, nor do you need to craft your belief system around what these people think you, who gives a shit what they think. Yeah. I don't care what, what any Christian thinks of me and their walk with God. If they compare their walk with God to mine, uh, that would assume that they know what it's like to walk in my shoes. And then incidentally, I would know how to walk in theirs and, and I don't, and I don't think they do with me. So really to be a, to be a follower of Christ doesn't mean that you have to subscribe to some weird side ide ideology that would suggest that you need to conform to some certain caste system and some certain set of rules. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. And, uh, and it didn't make sense to Christ, which is why anytime he found himself in a synagogue, he was fighting. He was conf confrontational. His messages of love and peace came from people's houses, from the sides of hills, on the side of a mountain. He was feeding people. Anybody could come up to him. He wouldn't let anybody get executed. A tax collector could sit with a goat herder. And He's trying to correct the ship. Exactly. And I you think know? that's what we need to do as Christians as well. Well, and, and that's the thing. I mean, we were talking about the Old Testament, New Testament contrast. Mm -hmm. The Old Testament, uh, I mean, he was there w in a lot of intent and purposes to correct the ship of what God had intended. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, by no means am I comparing myself to Jesus Christ or us to Jesus Christ or whatever, correcting the ship at this point, you know, like, I mean, I appreciate all the listeners we have and everything else, but in no means is there a comparison there. But what I'm saying is you have the Old Testament uh, with all of the rules uh, that that were set in place, commandments. Um, and But the thing is, you know, humans' interpretation of that over thousands of years then quickly becomes, you know, like it's okay for me, but it's not for you. Or if you have enough money or if you have enough status or if you have enough power, then anything's okay. And 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 then Christ comes in and corrects the ship, but but there's been thousands of years since Christ has you know has uh, died on the cross for us. So I mean the thing is, it's very possible that again human interaction, human interpretation goes back to the same thing where it's like Christ says love love your neighbor as yourself, and and now it's like well I'm gonna love my neighbor as myself uh, in, until it's no longer convenient for me, mm -hmm. you know, um, or you know whatever the case is, status, money, power, all of the all of those things are still filtered into the church, and organized religion is is still you know like using a a stat uh, like a uh, quid pro quo or a, a a power cycle or a caste system uh and and so in most cases there are the exceptions there are churches that are the exceptions but i'm saying when you have organized religion that gets to that point the ship needs to be rewrited again mm -hmm. you know it, ne it needs to be uh, corrected or the church just needs to go away completely mm -hmm. and and then it needs to be just you know a fellowship of believers meeting at a meeting in a house somewhere you know that that you know again they they have the same common 
goals, the same common beliefs, same common values. Uh, and as long as it's all centered on love and not money or, you know, or not power or status, as long as it's centered on love, I mean, you've got a, a large majority, a large portion of what Christianity is supposed to be. Like you've got a lot of that right if if it's all centered in love, right. because it's that's that's what you know that's what Christ called us to do. Exactly, and even like Paul, uh, really, um, you know, the Apostle Paul really did a good job of emphasizing that, especially coming from a position of being a religious zealot, hunting and killing Christians, mm-hmm. to professing love as the answer because it's forgiving, it's the truth, it's everything about it, and if we understand that. Um, what the executive leadership or members of a church are casting at you for having tattoos, for being gay, um, for being, for having piercings, for uh, being divorced, whatever the case is. Um, I would reference you back to the apostle Paul's word where it talks about um, the greatest of these virtues is love. Yeah. Well, love First Corinthians 13. Exactly. Yeah. Love is a, uh, is, is, is not, um, is not, selected for the few you know so if you're not getting brought if if love is not the first virtue given to you by a church then don't go to that church that is not a mandate on the the christian faith christian faith regardless of what political uh, uh background uh the church thinks it has or the political influence it thinks it has you know uh you can be a Christian and be a liberal. You can be a you can be an unbeliever and being conservative. I mean, the, the politics and religion have no place together when we talk about and, and the ethos of God. It's it's uh, what America does uh, politically has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. And that's another thing I wanted to bring up before we close out is that of all these things, there are a lot of churches that if they find out you're a Democrat or a liberal, mm. they're going to say you we have no place for you. And church yeah. is telling you how to vote and things like that. None of that has any any speck of being or any speck of relevance to the kingdom of God. America is not the white horse here to save all of mankind. Jesus is the rider of the white horse. It is God's will and kingdom that's going to uh, uh, rebirth the earth in fire. And who you voted for is not a mandate on who you, if, if, if you're believing God is right. That's up to you and God, and God lets you know through feeling, not not through another person's words. So I, I, you know, I would encourage anybody who's listening that if you're experiencing something like that, whether it's your government or whether it's your church or whoever that's telling you that your belief in God is not up to the standards in which they believe it should be at, it's not their standards that's going to judge you in the end. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter what they say to you or what they think that you should be doing because none of it has any bearing on what God wants you to be. Right. I mean, he made that clear when the disciples were mean to Matthew, when Jesus first brought him on. Who are you? Who are you to say these things? Like, that that to me is, is the biggest takeaway from this podcast that I want people to know is that is if they're not the ones writing your check, then they're not the one that can get rid of you. And, right. you know, so. This is Grit. Grits. Grits. Grit. <laughs> Raw. Unpolished, uncircumcised. Christianity. Forever Christianity. <laughs> Thank you.